Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'm your host Scott Haskin and holy crap, we have made it to episode 40. I wasn't sure we were going to get that far, but we did, and I'm very excited about it. And I thank you guys for joining me and uh, keeping up with the show. Appreciate all the support that you guys have given along the way. And a special shout out to all of my guests so far uh, and to the ones of the future. Thanks for coming on the show, because without you, it would just be me. And I don't really know that anyone wants to hear me babbling on week after week about God knows what. But I'm going to babble on for a minute about a couple of things before we bring our guest on. Uh, The lovely Sarah Clancy, who I've known for many years, fabulous actress, wonderful person, one of the most thoughtful and sweetest people I've ever met in my life, incredibly driven, intelligent, beautiful, talented, everything you could want in a friend, and so supportive. She's been one of the, one of the big foundations of my, uh, my life and career. So I was very, very excited when uh, we were able to schedule some time to chat and uh, glad she could make it on for the big four zero. Uh, we were, I really wanted to talk to her a lot more about, uh, onset nursing stuff, but we just kind of got carried away with the acting thing. And then we just, we get a little goofy. It's going to happen. It doesn't happen to me often, but it happened at our interview. Uh, and that's okay. It was a lot of fun. Um, not really too much to talk about, uh, going on at the moment, uh, just continuing on with some of the projects that I've been working on, uh, finally had a a bit of a breakthrough on my addicted album. I'm going to tell you the mistake that I made when I wrote this many, many years ago. Um, I was working off of a, uh, Korg sequencer. Uh, my, I I still have the, the keyboard. Why have the, the upgraded version of the one that I had at the time? Uh, I originally wrote this on a Korg X3. Uh, I now have the N264, but it has all the same sound banks as the X3 and then additional sound banks as well, which is why I upgraded. Plus, I went from um, 64 to 76 keys. Uh, 62, 64, 64. Um, the mistake that I made, though, was that when I was writing music back then, um, and, and we're talking over 20 years ago, but I didn't put a lot of thought into anyone ever actually playing these songs or ever doing like upgraded versions of them or anything like that. In fact, my brother and I used to joke around about how many times I was going to redo my songs. And, uh, but when I was working on these albums and doing the symphonies and stuff, I, I just didn't really think about, uh, ever redoing them or ever having live players or, or anything like that. Um, but you know, as I've put them out and I listen to the sound quality of the stuff I'm doing now versus the sound quality then with like cheesy, core keyboard, distorted guitars and violins and things like that, uh, just doesn't really do the music justice. So I'm really excited to revamp these songs and put them out again. But the problem that I ran into is that when you play on a keyboard, all instruments go the whole range of the keyboard. Now, I don't know about the newer ones, if they stick to more realistic ranges or not. But a violin, for example, you could touch any note on a full 88-note piano and you'll get a sound. But the real register of a violin does not cover all 88 notes. It only covers a portion of them. So if you're writing for violin and you don't think about the range of the actual instrument, you could be writing things that it can't play. So when you go back with real sounds and you're like, okay, I can't wait to hear how this sounds with a real guitar. And you're like, oh... Uh, not all these notes are available on a guitar. 
well, I'll bump it an octave up and see how it sounds. And then it doesn't sound right because now it doesn't have that bottom end that doesn't have that real thick, heavy, you know, rock sound that you're looking for. So it's been a trial trying to put this album back together. And uh, as I hit each of the symphonies, now the one that I released uh, last month, when I released Symphony Number no. 4, which is on my SoundCloud, that one was written with the real sample. So I knew what the proper note ranges were. But when I wrote the original ones, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I didn't. And I didn't even think about it. It was young, you know, early, no training career mistake. And that's fine. I, I will. I, I kind of want to revamp them anyway, because I think that I could do better than what I did at the time. But that's been the delay in getting the Addicted album done is finding a way to make this work. I was playing around today and I tried using a harp to replace the guitar and then adding distortion to it. But it just it just didn't work. The harp was too plucky. It's too um, too much attack and not enough decay, no matter how much I played with it. So that didn't work. But I found a couple of sounds that I can use in conjunction with each other that I think actually will make the album sound even better. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited I had the breakthrough and that I'm able to move forward with that album. I don't know when it will be done because I'm getting some other projects coming in. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to be able to move forward with it and eventually get that out to you guys. Um, I'm still doing the Vegas walks. I don't know yet if I'll do another Vegas book or not. Uh, the first two had some good feedback. Sales weren't huge, but they were decent. It, it made money. But I have to figure out if it's worth my time or not. So I'm still going back and forth on that. But every once in a while when I'm out, I still hear people say some fun things and I still dictate them into the phone. And I have a slowly growing spreadsheet. I actually walk with uh, with the earplugs in now to kind of block out all the noise. And because uh, I'm working on projects in my head anyway. So I don't really pay as much attention as I used to. But I still hear some gems here and there. So those may uh, or may not end up in a book one day. And then uh, working on some other stuff as well uh, in between doing some orchestrations and that. So it, it definitely is something that's keeping me busy, but uh, it's it's nice to have those breakthroughs and nice to be able to find ways to fix the mistakes that we made in our youth. Very excited about that. And I hope you guys like the album. It's, it's a fun album. Um, it's kind of catchy. I think it's got some good songs on it. It's a good story. Um it's the story of uh, a boy who was born to drug addicted parents. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but being somebody that's never really done drugs, it was really something I, I had to use my imagination on. And I thought back to like, you know, when I, when I was a kid and I would go to the dentist and they would give you the nitrous oxide or, you know, when you have that buzz from alcohol or, or way too much caffeine, like I do sometimes, but trying to use those to pull from that to get an understanding of what that might be like and why people go down that road. I think I I have a, a good enough idea to understand it without having dug into it or experienced it. I, I kind of get the gist of it. So uh, it was a fun album. And I hope that when I'm able to release it, that you guys like that. Kelly's working on the artwork for it, which I'm sure will be absolutely stunning. And when I do the podcast episode for that album, I'll talk to you guys about the original artwork uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, have some have some good memories with that. So uh, it, my brother Lee sang on some of the songs, and I sang on some of the songs. And uh, I can't sing anymore, so I'm stuck with what I was able to do uh, for for those particular pieces. I, I wish I could. I would love to go back and redo that um, if I had the talent to sing, which I no longer do. 
So uh, anyway, that'll be coming up and I'll keep you guys posted on that. I'll keep you posted on if there's going to be another Vegas book, if there's going to be another Mental Sauna album. I've done five of them now. Um, I've got ideas for more, but I kind of want to delve into something else. I think I've got plenty of material out there for people to relax to. And uh, if they're the demand grows, then you know, maybe I'll do another one. Um, I've got more ideas on my wall than I have time to do. So I'm just kind of picking away. I want to do at least one revamped album a year. And uh, one new album a year would be great as well, because I like to obviously create new things. That's what I do. But I like to get the old material cleaned up and put out there as well for people to hopefully enjoy. So, uh, but let's let's get back to our guest uh, for this week for episode 40. Very excited about that. Um, and she, like I said, she's just fantastic. We had a great chat. We get a little loopy at the end. So hang in there, buckle up and get ready for the ride. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Sarah onto the show. Sarah, how are you today? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've wanted to have you on for a while, um, and I'm really glad that uh, our schedule synced up to be able to do it. Uh, you and I have known each other for well over a decade. Oh, yeah. And we've done an insane amount of projects together over the years. Uh, we have, yeah. You've worked as, uh, as an act, both an actor and a set nurse and a producer, and everything else you could pretty much put your hat on, except, I think, directing. I have not directed yet. Nope. <laughs> I like that you said yet, though, because I think you'd be really good at it. Thanks. You have a, a you have a good feel, I think, for how it works, and I think people just naturally listen to you. You're commanding without being aggressive. Yeah, I try, I try to not be as pushy. Right. On set, yeah. Yeah. And you're very, you're very sympathetic, or I guess empathetic would be more the right word. Um, I, I want to, to share with the audience, because you have a really cool story as to your first mm-hmm. acting gig. I love you, this you, story. It's so inspirational You do love it. I do. <laughs> would you mind telling it? No, no. I was, this was years ago when I first, I was just, it was a long weekend. I'd taken a couple extra days off from work, and so I was just home alone, watching TV, and I go, God the worst movie, the worst acting ever. I thought I could do better than this. And so I was like, well, why not? I have nothing else to do. And so I Googled what was filming in Phoenix that weekend. And it was an old, old remake of a very older movie called Uncle Belfry. And I looked up what the movie was all about and the, um, went to down to the Goodwill, did my hair 1920 style, and got the, the outfit and I walked right onto the set and found out what was being filmed. I walked past the director, and it wasn't until mid-afternoon, and I was there all day already, the assistant director found out that I wasn't supposed to be on the set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Slides a piece of paper in front of me um, so that I could sign it so if I died on set, it wouldn't be their fault. Well, that's and I go, oh, I'm not. I'm not getting kicked out. This is so exciting. So he's like, no, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they had already filmed so much by mid-afternoon. I would imagine that they would have had to reshoot anything that you potentially could have been in. Right. Yes. So they didn't want to have to do that. And so I got to stay and I met tons of people. I met you. I met uh, Tammy and a lot of the other people that I'm still friends with today. Actually, you and I, I was not on that set. You and I met. No, uh, that we met later. That, that's yeah, right. At uh, the first the first 48 hour film challenge that we did with Phoenix independent filmmakers when we did campaign right. promise was the, was when you and I met. Um, yeah. 
and I, uh, that's another story that we'll get to. But oh, that's a crazy story. It, yeah, it is. But was this Uncle Belfry? I've never seen it. Was this uh, was this a Debbie Overby project? Um, I no I, the the lead. It was actually a, a a musical as well. Oh, as an old yes, and so it actually I think it was just a project that the lead singer of a band was working on. Oh wow! And I know, and it was he, it was very it was a very cool show, but um, I think it was a private project that he was working on. That's interesting. And so I've I know I've got um I think he I actually have a copy of the movie, but I I don't really know what ended up happening was happening with that. But. What you know what I what I love about this story is a couple things. I mean, a lot, it would be really hard to get away with that now because most of the time you don't get into the set without having a badge signed in security, something like that. Even on independent films, they're usually watching pretty well. Uh, Yeah. They've tightened up a lot. They have, but I love that Mm -hmm. you were, that you wanted to do it. You were bold enough and you said, I'm just going to see what happens. And you gave it a shot. But what I love more about it is that you did the legwork, right? You found out what kind of movie it was. You went out and and did everything to fit into that set before you went, instead of just showing up and finding out. Oh, I, I'm not dressed right for this the period piece. Oh yeah, and I still have the outfit. Do you really? <laughs> yeah, I swear I do. Was it pretty lucky to find that? I mean, 1920s clothes aren't very accessible. No, it was it was really hard. I just and honestly, I I got I got. The moon, the stars, everything aligned that day for me mm-hmm. because I found the outfit, I found the shoes, and I found like a little mink, uh, pr- a fake mink uh, stall oh. around my neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bright red lipstick, off I went. Was know? it like a saloon scene? Yes, exactly. It was a saloon. It was okay. a saloon bar type setting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, huh. That's fun. We have uh, we have one of those uh, old time photography places here at the Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. And I don't know what it is, but I, cause I don't like Westerns. I I'm not a big fan of them and I don't really care for that time period so much, mm, but right. I love old time photography. And it looks, they look so cool. Don't they? They really do. I just don't understand yeah. why I like it. I haven't figured that part out yet. I just know that I do, <laughs> but that's cool. And so you made it into the film. They didn't kick you out. I mean, that, that was really a successful thing. Yeah. And then I got, uh, I joined the uh, Phoenix Independent Filmmakers Group, and then um, I got asked to do the, the 48-hour challenges, and then I also did the live theater pretty soon after that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, and I think all of my acting friends were so surprised that I had a day job. <laughs> they were like, what? Right, yeah. What's that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, actually, how about this stuff going on? Well, you just, you came on and you were so comfortable. You know, it, it yeah. just seemed like you'd been doing it. this for years. Yeah, never, never, never did drop to drama in high school. None of that. Mm-hmm. No acting classes or it. anything. Never, never. Wow. Nope. That's pretty amazing. But, you know, I think that people that have an affinity to a particular skill just sort of develop it maybe by watching others or kind of imagining yourself what you would do in a situation. Like I know for drummers, we just naturally find patterns and rhythms and things, even if we haven't gone to school or been trained, it's just what we naturally do. So why would acting be any different? Yeah. It was a, just a blast. Yeah. Well then mm-hmm. the first one that, that you and I did together, the first 48 hour film challenge was a film called campaign promise. Right. And uh, of course, as the composer, I was not on set. I went to the writer's meeting 
and mm-hmm. uh, and then I went home and I started working on ideas. And uh, it, it's I, I've explained my process on the show before, um, but for you, your day on set was not normal. <laughs> no, it was not normal. Uh, yeah. So what happens? It was in the, it was of course in the summer, so it's hot, right? And they can't run the air while we're filming. It's just we'll, to pick up too much noise. Mm-hmm. And so this was my first um, <laughs> first time meeting everybody on the in the filmmakers group. And so they had me as one of the lead characters, and I was like, "Oh, this, these people are crazy." <laughs> I go, "Okay." And so I was playing, um, I was playing opposite of Tammy. Who is the leader of the film group? And she's she's been a, a guest on the show before too. Yeah, Tammy's wonderful. Yeah, and so she and I, I think we filmed. We've been filming all day, and we were t- trying to do a continuous shot, and we didn't want to have any breaks, so we were continuing the shot, continuing the shot, and I had a seizure <laughs> on set. Yes. So of course, at this point, everybody knows who I am. You know, right. the ambulance is ambulance is called, and people are running, and I'm you know, having seizures. And then that was when we found out that I had epilepsy that day. <laughs> Before right. that, we had no no idea. This industry has been eventful for you, to say the least. I'm telling you, I had people, that the whole crew, everybody came to the hospital. It, it was just, and after that, we were all really close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, did, but, um, but you had finished the last take before the seizure? Yes, before I went down. Luckily, we got in on time. Was it like right before? Yes. Wow. We had just finished. Um, they just yelled cut and I went down. Hey, at least I waited. Yeah. That's commitment. Do you know what yeah. triggered it? Mm, the heat. Oh, right. right. Yeah, because it was so hot in there. And that's what, I, that's what I chalked it up to anyways. But that was my first seizure ever. If I'm not mistaken, that was in either June or July of that year. Yeah, that's how hot. That's yeah. how hot that was. So you're looking at 114, 115 degrees. And even, you know, when you're inside and you can't turn the air on except for between takes, it doesn't take but mm-hmm. 10 seconds to get hot again as soon as you turn the air off with that many people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. People are breathing, you've got lights on you, and you're just like, okay. I don't feel like good things are going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, interestingly enough, uh, and now I'm trying to remember when you and I actually first met, were you at the writer's meeting for that? Um, I think I was. Yeah. Okay. Then that must've been where we met. The first time I remember talking to you was actually at the get together. I think it was the next week because we did back to back weekend film challenges Right. Um, when we went to whatever restaurant it was after we shot the second one, which was the handlers. Mm, yep. The handlers. Now that was another yeah. one that was kind of interesting. I heard that people were dropping <laughs> like flies on that set. They were. And then I had had the seizure that on campaign promise the weekend before, and I cut my tongue nearly in half. And so they had me as um, the boss's wife mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't talk. And so Tammy was my um, voiceover right. through the whole challenge. And so that was interesting. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because she uh, she had contacted me on, on that Sunday, you know, the last day of the challenge and said, mm. can you, you know, kind of clean up this, uh, this audio really quick? I recorded this voiceover and I said, okay. And I'm thinking, you know, I hadn't seen the film because I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm not going to see the film for another few days. And uh, so Mm -hmm. I I edit it or I clean it up and everything. And I send it back to her. And and then when I saw it in the film, I'm like, this doesn't match up at all. 
Oh, that's not you. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's going on? Wait, what's happening? You know? Yeah, I know. Oh, we've had some interesting times. Yep. Yes. Yes, it was funny. Well, well, the other thing that was really funny, and, and I, I don't mean to offend our, our co-star, uh, Jill Holt, on this, because I, I didn't know who he was at the time. And Tammy kept saying, I don't believe it. We got Joe Holt. He's going to do this film challenge with us. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but you know, <laughs> he, he must be of some importance. You know, <laughs> it's like some notoriety. Yeah. And, and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tammy was just so uh, she was over the moon to have him, and we we're like, okay, yeah, hey Joe, <laughs> he's he's a great guy. He's a fine actor. He did a great job in the film. Don't get me wrong, but I kind of like I thought, oh, he's like a, a actual like IMDb rated star, and he's going to do this challenge with us. I haven't heard of him, but okay, you know, <laughs> I love it. I know, yeah. And Tammy was... gets excited, and she thinks we all, we live in her brain sometimes. We do, though. I know. We just don't, but I know. He, in her mind, we do. It's it's fine. <laughs> I know. And and then we went on to do several films, all, all of us together. And you mm-hmm. guys always were either married or separating or something. Me and Joe, yeah, yeah. I know. Yep, that's the truth. Yeah, my, like, Joe my... and me are married again. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we did. Uh, I I don't remember which one was next, but I know we did a follow up to the Handlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the handlers too. But, but that was not done as a forty-eight-hour film challenge. You actually had time to rehearse and do scenes and right. relax with it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell the story actually about how the score went to the the first handlers in my book, becoming an indie film composer, because uh, the movie had changed completely and no one told me, and so. <laughs> I ended up just writing one long piece of music that just was kind of like the background soundtrack for the entire film. Right. And uh, then we kind of tried to do the same thing with the second one, but the second one was like 15 minutes and you can get away with that in a three minute film, but you can't get away with that in a 15 minute film. It just doesn't. No, not at all. Uh So I actually ended up scoring that one, but uh, yeah, that those, both of those films were just crazy. I know, but fun. (laughs) We did. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. And we were all learning together, which was great. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and of course, since I'm not on set, I don't know if there was a lot of drama, but I can say that the projects came out pretty well, considering the time constraints that people didn't really know each other, that a lot of them were just brand new in the business. It's kind of amazing. We turned out what we did. Yeah. And we won a lot of awards doing it, too. So that was, was kind of cool. Exactly. I don't know about you, but my favorite one that we did was The Objective. Oh, God, I love that one. Yeah. I kept forgetting my lines too on that. <laughs> I don't know why it was so hard. They were standing behind the camera with cue cards for me. That's how bad it was. God. <laughs> but in all fairness, <laughs> terrible. you, you uh, and Tammy both were double booked. Be- oh, and, and Tim yes. Avent were or, uh, double booked because... Live, we had theater shows. Right. Every night. Right. And so you're doing the 48 hour film challenge during the day. Then you've got to go perform at the theater, then back on set the next day for the challenge. And again, mm-hmm. it's it's in warm weather. Everybody's, you know, it's there's heat stroke and everything else. It's kind of understandable that you wouldn't be performing to your capacity. Yeah, no, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about yeah. the dinner theater a little bit. So you guys were doing mm-hmm. a murder mystery dinner theater. Right. Um, at, uh, at, I can't remember the name of the place now. Dave and Buster. I was going to say Ben and Jerry's, but that's an ice cream. Place. Ben, ben and Jerry's, close enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, yeah. that went on for two years. It did. Yeah. Um, the Yeah. That company lasted two years. And then 
Um, and then I did a, that same company hired me to do, uh, to do a, um, redneck bride wedding. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. I still have never seen, I never, I know that they were shooting, mm -hmm. uh, they were filming it too. And I was the bride and I had just gotten out of the hospital for pneumonia that day. And I was like, oh my God, I, don't, I didn't have an understudy. I had no replacement. That's why I had to go on. I was oh, so wow. sick still. Oh no. I kept going, kept going backstage and taking breaks mm -hmm. and laying down. And uh, Joe was in that one also, Joe Holt. And uh, he'd come back and he'd give me breathing treatments <laughs> in between. <laughs> it was so sad. He'd have my inhaler there and stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing though, is that there are jobs that you can call in sick to. And there are right. jobs that you just can't. I mean, unless There's, you've, you know, been been stabbed the, and you're bleeding out the canceled. side. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to do it. You got to cancel the show. You got to give people their money back. It's just like I couldn't. And it can kill the reputation yeah. of the company very quickly. Right. You know? Yeah, they're never going to book with you again. Right. Or or like here in Vegas, I mean, people fly from all over the world to see these shows. So yeah, if they get canceled, that's a pretty big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the actual though the murder mystery dinner theater. What is that experience like? Because you have a script, but a lot of it is unscripted. Right. Well, um, yeah, you literally have you know a week. You're hired. You have a week to learn your lines. You're learning an entire play, a two hour play, mm -hmm. and you have to have your mark perfect. You know, you have to know when that when your co stars ends and it's your time to go, and then you're also um, making stuff up as you, you're mad living too. You know, you're, you know, it's, it's, if you're just completely doing it off script, it's going to be very boring. And then you're also going to sound like you're reading. Right. So you're going to want to, um, add your own touches as you go. Mm -hmm. And then you also want to trip up your, after, after you're working with somebody for such a long time, like Jay Brigham, Joe, Joe Holt, all these other people, you're going to kind of want to mess with them a little bit. Yeah. Make them, fall out of character because it's fun. And so me and Jay Brigham, he would try so hard to have me break to our character and me. So I just start doing it back to him. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And we did love working together. Yeah. And, and he was another one that just was such a natural to work with. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. He was great. But I kind of imagine it. Cause I mean, I've, I've acted very little and, but I kind of imagine it as kind of like a band that goes out and they play the same songs night after night. You got to do something to keep it fresh and, and to challenge yeah. each other and make it interesting Definitely. for yourselves too. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he was, I mean, we would just do speed it, get to the point of complete exhaustion, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. especially during these challenges during the day getting two hours of sleep at night because you're waiting for that script to, to come into you and where you're going to be meeting and where's the set. Right. Cause it's, you know, you're guerrilla style film filmmaking. Here. Yeah. And, and so then, you know, and you're, you're running on fumes and then you're going, Oh my God, I still have a show to do tonight. Yeah, exactly. But here's, here's the thing about the film challenges that, that, you know, even though I've talked about them on the show, we really haven't talked about this aspect, but as an actor, especially since you don't get the script until usually between two and three in the morning and you're trying to mm -hmm. cram in some sleep because you know you have to be on set at seven or eight, mm -hmm. um, that set could be completely on the other side of town. You yep. might not have the wardrobe that you need or the props that you need for your character. So you yeah. have to wrangle all that together or coordinate with somebody else to get something for you. There's actually a lot of pre-work that goes into it before you even get to the set. Oh, yeah. No, they, I've been told, like, okay, you're going to be 
the girlfriend of this guy and or you're you're gonna be uh you could be a clown and we gotta find a clown outfit. <laughs> Actually was on set once, there was a clown. Yeah. And you know, and I go, How are we gonna find this at five o'clock in the morning? Who has a clown outfit? Anybody? Right. Well you, you know, didn't already. So, yeah. That's a state I have in my closet right now. <laughs> right, yeah. I just like wait, what? Um, I mean, I was, I had to find a bride gown at one point and I was like, Jesus, what a hell? Ah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. And then, and half of the filming is in Phoenix right. and I'm, was living in a suburb outside of there. So that's not like, it's, it's still an hour away from me. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the other challenge is it's, you know, you're trying to cram and sleep, but now you've got a two hour commute you know, there and back and you've got to find your clown outfit or, or your, you know, your <laughs> these random things. I remember uh, for one of the ones that, that I didn't score, but I did sound design for, you had to have a very large purse that had all this stuff in it that you needed to take out. For oh, the yeah. Uh, yeah. That was uh, the mating game, I think. The mating game. Yep. Yeah. I had to have a very large purse and, and you're having, and in these, in these challenges, you have um, objects, certain objects is a backpack and a spatula. Okay. Let's not forget to bring that. Right. <laughs> Somebody, yeah. you know. Yeah, because you, you can lose the contest on the fact that you simply forgot to bring a prop. Uh huh. You your know, prop because it's yep. one of the qualifying components to be. Uh, you you'll get screened, but to be actually in the running for an award, uh, you have to meet all the criteria. And one of those criteria is usually a prop or two props that you have to show visually in the film, and they they can't be just something that's in the background. It has to be manipulated or utilized, you know? Yep. And it has to be like the phrase too. You have to use the phrase and the prop. Right. And then when you go to the screening and you see 35 films and they all have that same phrase, by the 12th time you hear it, you're like, oh God. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But so, so you were doing the the play, but when you do the play also, you sit down and you have dinner with I do. the with the cast, but also with the audience. So it's you're yep. trying to stay in character, and that's a hundred percent improv. Oh, that that's I think the most challenging. You're sitting there, and they're trying to like uh, break your character, mm-hmm. the audience, and you're trying to have dinner and not give them any information because they're trying to find out who the murderer is. You right. know? Yeah. And so, and the ending changes each time the play. And we've decide who's going to be the murderer, you know? Oh, okay. And of course, yeah. And see, my character, I was, uh, my character's name was Candy. And I don't remember her last name at this point. <laughs> so long ago. It's been a few years since yeah. I pulled in. But, um, but yeah, it was my husband that died. It was murdered. So, yeah. And so they would sit there and they would grill you. And you're like, oh, boy. Yeah. You're like, can I just eat my chicken really quick? <laughs> I just want my chicken, man. <laughs> I haven't had a break all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been running. This is my fourth show today. <laughs> <laughs> but is it is it a challenge to to try and find ways to like drop clues but not be so obvious, or do you really just not try to drop anything to them? I tried to not give them any information because mm-hmm. it was such a really big twist at the end of, of all of the shows, mm-hmm. and so and they would really try. They they take the they actually put their vote in on who did it, right? And so it was really fun for them if they got it right. Yeah. I really try to give them a good challenge. So. Yeah. And it was definitely something that was fun to watch because when you have a crew that is really comfortable with each other and, and they've worked together enough and know each other well enough to take visual cues or just know where they're going with something. 
it, it right. just makes such a smooth, realistic show for the audience. Like this is really happening. It's not that you guys are delivering dialogue. It's that you're really living it. Well, and you also, it, that's, those are special nights out to go to, you have to take your loved one or family to something so special as a dinner theater. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to dinner and a show. This is great. It's interactive. It's fun. That's not something that you do all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you as the actor want to make sure that you're giving a positive experience and something fun. Right. For that, for that family or that person or, you know, that couple. Exactly. And, and it is a special night out, but it's also, you know, doing the same play over and over, but having the, the ending change every time keeps you guys on your toes too, which, which yeah. makes it more natural that it's, that it's spontaneous and really unfolding instead of just playing out the script. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a show here. I don't know if you've ever seen it called Tony and Tina's wedding. Oh, I've heard of this. I, I saw it uh, the week before the revival of it opened and yeah. the cast was amazing. I mean, they, they came out, they were talking to you like you were a, a guest at their wedding. Like they're, they're asking mm-hmm. you what side of the family you're from. And yeah. uh, the whole thing is just so spontaneous, even though certain key moments are planned. It's, it's like two hours of improv for these people. Yeah. That's a great. Workout. It is. Yeah. But it's, it's so fun. Yes. You're going to somebody's wedding. I mean, how cool is that? And they, they really make you think it's real. Right. And if you've ever been to a classic Italian wedding, and I'm from an Italian oh family, and when I lived back east, I went to some pretty big weddings. There's always going to be something, some kind of interesting things going on. And this wedding just throws it all into one night. <laughs> you know, oh, my everything God. Everything they could think of. But they get you to interact with them, and you start feeling like, you have an obligation if somebody says, you know, can you get rid of this person for me? They're really upsetting me. And you're like, I don't know what to do here. But I, I'll give it my best shot, man. Yeah. And, and you, you're like, you're trying to be nice to and, and just kind of like solve the problem for everybody without yelling or, you know, really, because you have no business doing that. And it's so mm-hmm. awkward as an audience member. But at the same point, you kind of feel like you're part of it. Right. Which is really cool. And I think, but that's got to be, as an actor, that's probably has to be one of the biggest challenges that you can put yourself through is that being in character on the spot without having a net. Yeah. Well, when we used to do the rehearsals, though, didn't the director sometimes send you guys just into Dave and Buster's and said, just go interact with people in character so you can kind of learn who you are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Yeah. Um. It was, it, it's hard in the beginning because you're not quite sure how your character is. In the script, in the play, my character was really nasty, horrible person. And I thought, I don't, I mean, I'll take her to a, a crazy level, but I don't want her to be like this horrible, awful woman mm-hmm. that my audience is going to hate. Like, I just, I, just, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I tried to lighten her up. And so it was easier for me to go in and interact with people because right. it would be more responsive to me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, kind of created that character well i would think if you're somebody that they hate in the play then when you interact with them they're going to interact with you because they're at the play but when you're just walking around an establishment in character with people that have no idea who you are if you're too aggressive they're going to just want to get away from you and you're really exactly i'm not going to i'm going to get a negative response exactly from them right yeah and there's only so far you can go with that Right. And it's before it gets to you. I'm like, okay. But in the confine of the play, when you, when they're in the room having dinner and they know that your character is a, a evil character, you're designed to be disliked. 
they're they're more likely to interact with you because you're within the context of the performance. I didn't have any problems with the audience. They always responded well mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. They weren't afraid to ask me questions when I sat down with them or talk to them. So I still kept to her kind of edgy, you know? Right. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, as yeah. I recall, it was, it was kind of riding that line where if you pushed it any further, it might be too far. But mm-hmm. if you didn't go as far as you did, it might not be enough. Yeah. I didn't want it to, um, I didn't want to be unapproachable. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. And and if, if you guys ever get the chance to experience uh, like a murder mystery dinner theater type thing, uh, there's so much fun. It's something that I say everybody should try once. And if you like it, yeah. do it again. And if you don't, then you've had an interesting night. Yeah. You know, night out of the house. <laughs> exactly. And since we're so prone to not really leaving anymore anyway. <laughs> we're all shut ins anymore these days pretty much yeah. Yeah, yeah but you've done you've done a lot of work outside of just like the 48 hour film challenges challenges mm-hmm. and things too in fact uh ironically i went and saw a movie that you were in and i went with your mom the night that you were filming oh. another movie <laughs> that's right i believe you yeah. were filming was it red corvette the night that your mom and i went and saw jake's corner Right. Yeah. Jake's Corner with um, Rich Tyson and then um, Danny Trejo. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Danny was in that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so it was filming out there. I was at Jake's Corner and me and Tammy. And then that was two weeks of shooting. Yeah. Nice guys. Everybody was really cool. And um, yeah, of course, uh, you guys might remember Richard. I mean, everybody knows who Danny Trejo is. You could make a drinking game. Out of going on IMDb, <laughs> oh. and anytime you find a movie he's not in, you should take a shot. Yeah, that's you know? true. Uh, yeah, he's in everything. He is. But yeah, but and he's and he did a lot of work in Arizona with with different people that that we know too. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, for those of you who who don't immediately know the name Richard Tyson, if you've seen Kindergarten Cop, he was the oh, bad yeah, guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> he's a bad guy. Poor Richard. And he plays that so well. I know he really does. You would think that he has to be an asshole in real life. You would just, yeah. you would think he has to be, but he's not. He's not. He's just a big teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, uh, God, yeah, I mean, I've just been, I'm all over the place. But um, <laughs> Now, what was your, what was your role in that film? I don't remember. I was just an extra and, and like the, on the, all the bar scenes, it was filming at Jake's Corner. Jake's Corner is actually a real place. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny little town in Arizona, kind of up north. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and so uh, got to meet a lot of really cool people there, and I was just extra. And so I was just a shut-up-and-be-seen person. So. Right, but you're not a shut-up-and-be-seen person. Shut-up-be-seen. So. Background. <laughs> the, the girl that just walked onto a film set that she had no connection to is not shut up and <laughs> You know, but you interacted. I mean, obviously you, you went out of your way to meet people and yeah. interact. Yeah. And then, um, oh, and then also, uh, the guy, uh, there was a lot of interesting, it was a really big mix of people at Jake's Corner. I met people who were, um, on the Boondock Saints. Oh, really? Um, uh, yeah, he was a funny, funny man is what they called him on Boondock Saints. I just recently saw that movie for the first time. Oh, I love that movie. It's a good film. I actually, I, I really did like it. I didn't know if I was going to, um, because I'm very difficult to please these days. I, I really am. Are you? 
you'd become hard, <laughs> a difficult person. Yeah, I try to be as I difficult know. as I can. But I mean, oh, you know, good. I kind of feel like I'm at the point where I've seen everything. Yeah, I know. I you feel know. you. Um, but that's cool. It, you know, it's nice to work on set too with people that have the kind of background and experience of, of somebody like Richard or Danny, because you can mm. learn a lot from them just because they they carry themselves differently. They approach things differently just because they've been through so much. Did you did you find that you uh, that you were studying them a little bit at all? Well, Danny was cool. He was he he just kept um, he just wanted to hang out with us, with me and Tammy, and mm-hmm. and then um, Richard. I got to talk to a lot too, and so then and then soon after, I saw Richard again at a party in downtown Phoenix. Oh, and it was um, like a movie party. Mm-hmm. Um, like an acting acting party, sorry. And he was like, "Hey!" And he actually remembered me. I was like, "Wow, I'm like a tiny, no big deal." And so he was nice because I got to meet his wife, and um, yeah. And he's from Alabama, really. And he's yeah, so he's heading back soon. But he was just out here for like a premiere for something. I don't know, but it was really nice. I got to meet him and the wife, and yeah, that's and pretty so, cool. Just super super cool guy. Yeah, so I got to spend some time with him and Danny and Tammy. We were all kind of hanging out on the set. Yeah. And and this is the thing about independent film is that on an independent set, you can do that. If you were yeah. an extra in a Hollywood film, you would never no. work again. If you, did you that. will, and you will know, and you will not, you're not allowed to talk to the actors, the yeah. big guys, you know, yeah. unless they come out and want to talk to you. Right. Exactly. If, you're pretty much segregated. If yeah. they approach you, it's fine. But if you approach anybody who's known and it, it's not necessarily the actor may not have a problem with it, but it's if, your director and everybody else. Yeah. The director just, or yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the casting agent or anybody like that mm-hmm. sees you doing it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, oh, yeah. it, it can, it can lead to you never doing it again. Oh yeah. But like independent films, I mean, they're usually, if an actor, especially it's if like, very an organic. A or, yeah. If, if an A or B list actor is willing to do an independent film, they're probably not really standoffish people. No, uh-uh. you know, Unless they're yeah, desperate. Not at all. And that's, that's a different story. Unless they're like, hey, I just want to be friends. I just need friends. Somebody talk to me. <laughs> right. Or my career is dying. Nobody in Hollywood is hiring me. I better find Nobody some kind of me. work. <laughs> and that does happen. Uh, there's a lot of work for in, in independent film because there's always people shooting something, which mm-hmm. is, is cool. Yeah. And I love that. I, and I love the fact that it's become so accessible because camera equipment is now, the, you know, the technology is there. The expense is lower. Um, you can actually put together a pretty decent looking film, even on an iPhone. Um, you can shoot and edit a film that looks pretty decent. It's crazy. It is. Because of technology. Yeah. It really is. But you've not only worked as, as an actor, you've also done a lot of times you've just been on set as the nurse because you are, of course, a registered nurse and you have been for some time. Um, mm-hmm. Is it mostly just sitting there or is it, are you like kind of running around really keeping your eye on people or what, what is that experience like? Well, when we did the Hierophant, that uh, one of our bigger films, yes, um, it was we were up on this huge, huge set. I mean, just so, and it was really hot <laughs> again. Yes, and so I was kind of running around. Um, we did have one person have go down with heat stroke pretty hard. Yes, and so um, we had to bring her inside pretty quick, and I had to fix her up. But um, for the most part, everybody else did fine. But I was constantly running around all day long. 
and making sure everybody had water and, you know. Yeah. So really in, in that particular situation, it was more preventative medicine, right? Because if you're not keeping oh, yeah. people hydrated, then you're going to be working on all of them. Right. If somebody, I'm going to be doing CPR on somebody at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right. And also having to We're take care of, <laughs> yeah, but also having to take care of yourself because again, you, you know, you suffer from those, the same heat issues that everyone else does. So mm. I find especially uh, people that are, are in the, the medical profession more in, in nursing or being a doctor, you're so used to take care, taking care of everyone else that you tend to forget to take care of you. It's absolutely true. Yeah. We're like, we're non-compliant. We're horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're like, we're our worst patients. Yes. Yeah. So I did that. That was the, that, that was a big challenge on still large set running around because I didn't know where everybody was. Yeah. Cause he's, I mean, we're moving across acres looking for people. Right. And then, um, and then it was a smaller set. Like if you're just doing a challenge, it's just in one house. And so everybody's contained and you can kind of keep an eye on everybody better. Yeah. When we did the Hierophant, it was, it, it was like they, they would move sets constantly and they would even say, oh, the scene isn't working here. Let's go somewhere else and do it. And so you wouldn't yeah. know where they were. Where are you people? You I know, know. I'm going to go out and check on everybody and they're not here. It just took yeah, me 10 they, minutes they've to moved get home. Here. Yeah. 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 And there were, cause there were so many different buildings and, uh, wasn't there though, wasn't there something happened? There was a bat or something in one of the buildings? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. There was a bat in one of the buildings. They couldn't get it out. And I was not, mm-mm. yeah, no, let's just move. <laughs> I, I, I'm just starting to remember this now. There was a girl that, uh, one of the murder victims, and she had to sit in this tub for a yes. long period of time. And when the bat got into the building, she had to stay there. Because she couldn't move and, and everybody's trying to get the bat out and people are screaming and running around. Yeah. It took yeah. forever to shoot uh, that. Yeah. She had to stay there. And then, of course, we lose light. You know, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. One thing after the next. Is it, oh, uh, is it something that uh, it, it's kind of a difficult job, though, isn't it? Because especially, I mean, the bigger the set you have, the harder it is to really maintain it. Right. And, and it's not like they had, um, at that time, I don't think I had a cell phone. And so they're trying to find me because, um, Leanne was, uh, having a, um, heat stroke mm-hmm. issue. And so I was like, is she drinking? Well, I don't, I, where is she? I don't even know where she's at. And they're like, I don't know. I think she's over there and somebody came to get you. And I was like, okay, where, where is she? I couldn't find her. And then when I finally did find her, she was so overheated. It was really awful. Yeah. Yeah, and she's the um, she's she's making sure everything is perfect, you know. I think we kind of learned after that that walkie talkies were vital. A thing, yeah, a thing, definitely, yeah. And then when she was when she went down, she had to go back into the building, and so we had to ice her up. And then it was that scene that we missed the knife being um, filmed. Oh, that's right. Do you know what I'm talking because about? Because she yeah. would have been the one to to pick that out. She's in charge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing, especially when you're in a pivotal role. I mean, if you're the cinematographer, you're the director, you're the clapboard mm-hmm. person, like if you're vital to filming that scene, that's yep. that's a really hard thing when one of those people goes down. Yep. Well, what's, yeah, what so. are the biggest things that people need to watch out for? I mean, I, I would imagine hydration is probably the most important. And you have to keep your blood sugar up, too, if you're eating. Cause Annie was filming uh, her scene with Scott she was screaming so much and like sweating. And so I told him, you guys need to stop for a little bit. She needs a break. I mean, they were just going to keep going and going and going. So I started feeding her candy. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was just tanking. So I'm giving her a licorice. There you <laughs> she, go. 
<laughs> she's like, she's like, yeah, I don't feel very good. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. You just need to take it a little easy right now. Yeah, she's another one that just amazes me. I shot another film with her, and uh, she had to. She only had one scene. She was the uh, the uh, flashback scene delivering the the doing the birth of the main character, and mm. um, she came in that day, and she's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to go for a run," and she just jogged around the block several times, got all sweaty, went in and screamed her lungs out for a good twenty minutes. She's a great screamer while they filmed that scene over and over. And I would, I was outside and I would just hear it would get calm. And then I would hear another three minutes of screaming and then it would get, Oh, that's nuts. And then another three minutes of screaming. It was just, I don't know how you keep up that pace. No, that's crazy. It really is. Yeah. But that's, that's a good point because hydration is, is important, especially if you live in a climate like, you know, Phoenix or, or, you know, Nevada or parts of California, especially during the mm-hmm. summer where it can get up to oh, yeah. 118, 119 degrees. Um, but mm-hmm. eating, keeping your blood sugar. Yeah. Another very important thing. And, you know, if you're a SAG actor, you have the requirements of when breaks are done, there's a schedule, but when you're an indie film, let's just do one more take. Let's just do one more take. And that can turn and into let's just another get, hour. Let's get through it. Yep. Yeah. And it does really quick it is important to take care of yourself. I mean, yeah, we want to get the film shot. Yeah. The sun's going down and yes, we need to get this take, but if you're going to start passing out or people are going to get sick or have to go to the hospital, Mm -hmm. it it just isn't worth it. No, not at all. You know, that's why they schedule those things. And and if you're, if you're running well, if you're on a well-run film set where things are running on time, it really shouldn't be an issue. Uh, most of the time, but there are times it does run behind and you just, you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself along the way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, have you, you, uh, so the, the one you said was a musical, the first one that you did, um, Mm -hmm. but you, you didn't do any singing or anything, right? No, no. All I, um, the only person that did any singing was that lead character. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. He was a musician out in Phoenix. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you said that you haven't done directing yet. Is that something that you would like to do? <laughs> you know what? Looking back, I probably would like to. Yeah. I'm now in, I left Phoenix. I'm now in Seattle. Um, I've been here for three years now. And I did actually contact an um, acting um, filmmaker group mm-hmm. out here, but I haven't heard back anything from them. I don't know what's going on with those people out here. Uh. Those Seattle people. <laughs> well, you're just <laughs> getting over winter. So I would imagine everyone's thawing out. They totally are. All the moss backs out here are thawing out. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it was weird because we had uh, actual snow here, not just a light dusting, but we had an actual, like almost That's blizzard weird. conditions. And, you know, it, it, of course, brought back so many memories of growing up in Michigan. But I it, I thought about you and I'm like, yeah, but this is every day for you. Yeah, that was no good. Mm-mm. Was it Being hard from transitioning Phoenix. from the from the desert to Christmas? Yeah, no, this was I honestly, I was the first year I was here. I was so cold, like to the bone to where there was no amount of layers could help me. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the second year, much easier. Well, you're originally from California and you were a surfer, Mm -hmm. so you're not used to that extreme cold. No, this was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've done some other things though. I I just remember Mm -hmm. you did, you didn't, you do some sort of wrestling gig one time? No. Oh yeah. Uh, Did I? It was like some film film about wrestling, like a back 
backyard yes, wrestling or something. Yes, you're right. I did do that. Oh, my God. I'm scared that I know your career better than you do. Yes, that's so sad. That I don't think ever did. That never amounted to anything, though. We did the auditions. We, um, I was doing the character development. Um, but I don't think anything happened with it. Oh. I, I know that that was Tim's uh, stuff. Uh-huh. We're doing it with him. But, um, yeah, not never off the ground. But it was going to be like a wrestling thing. And then I did do a commercial for Isogenics. Oh, really? That product line, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that was a couple of weeks shooting on that. Um, and you did and a then, voiceover on my Kindred Spirits uh, album. I did. Uh, that was fun. I'd, I'd do that again. That was fun, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you did such a great job. Um, but I, I, w- I wanted to ask you, were you a, an actual wrestler in that program? Or were you a, a spectator? Or what was your role? No, my role was to be one of the uh, female wrestlers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about that. Wow. Good job. Leave it to me. Did, what was <laughs> your character? Um, I don't know. I think we were starting to just barely do um, the character developments. Mm-hmm. And and then it just fell flat. Oh, that's yeah. Because that's something that's different. Really, you know, you only get a chance to do things like that are that interactive so often. So fun. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like that, um, was that POV that we did? Yes. POD? Whatever. POV, yeah. yeah. I really would like to see what ever happened with that, but so would I. That just sort of fell. And that yeah. was, I think, I want to say that was 2008 or 2009 that we shot that. And yeah, nothing, a long time. happened with it. Nothing. And I've written a good hour of music for that film. Jeez. You know, uh, so it's, it's, yeah, that was a bummer because that was a fun project. And, um, but, you know, I used to have this dream that Vince McMahon from the WWE called me and wanted me to be a wrestler. And I'm like, no, you know, I, I really don't want to go on the road. And that was my you excuse know. for not doing it because he would be after me. Right. And, yeah. and I, he called I me alone. <laughs> I can't do this without you, Scott. Um, but in my dream, we came up with this character called Daddy's Chubby Little Secret. And I was going to be like some kind of crazy demented guy that like ha- wore half of a mask and uh you know i'm a little bit overweight so the reason that i was that my character was overweight but was because he was really embarrassed about me so whenever people would come over he would hide me in the closet and just shove food in there and then he would leave me in there for days oh, that's awesome. i created this whole backstory in my dream and wow. he hasn't called stupid vince right so i'm i'm still waiting so vince if you're out there i i would go on the road as Daddy's chubby little. So yeah, it's the time to call is now. Yeah, that's right. Come on, come Before on. Before I get any older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where any of that came from. I, I I really don't. But that was a dream that I had one night, and it just kind of stuck with me. It's it did. Wow. <laughs> how do you <laughs> how do you forget something like that? I just you just don't. You don't. Yeah. Well, is there mm-hmm. is there a character that you haven't had a chance to play yet that you would really like to? Is there something that that you would find challenging that that you would hope to do at some point? Uh, actually, a nice person would be a good change. Because <laughs> I always get put as this crazy person or this. Me- oh, you're going to be the mean girl. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, you have or, been, or the crazy one, the crazy or the mean wife or the mean girl. Which is funny because you're one of the most nice and grounded people I've ever met. And so, I mean, that really is acting. Yeah. I love it when I get the script and I go, oh, come on. (laughs) Every time. That's how I used to be. They just start laughing. 
Well, we used to draw comedy. Every single film challenge, we got comedy. And I kept telling Tammy, sooner or later, we've got to draw horror. I mean, just law of averages alone. That's states true. Itself, and we never did. Not once. We never did. Nope. Never got horror. Mm-mm. So every time we would get the envelope and they would open it and, you know, kind of she, when I wasn't able to be at the meeting, she would break everybody out into groups. And then she would call me and she would always start with, you're not going to be happy, but it's going to be great. <laughs> and I would say, we got comedy again, didn't we? And she's like, yeah. Like, how is this possible? Uh, it's rigged, I you tell know. you. You know, yeah, now it is. Yeah, now they're just looking at us going, oh, there's Pifunga. It has they're to They're going to get comedy. Yeah. But the the uh, the movie that you were referring to, I think, where, where you needed the clown outfit, was that the one that we did that John Kestner wrote? Yes. Yeah. And um, the lead actress didn't show up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because you yeah, weren't supposed to Yeah, that was a challenge. She lead. didn't show up. No, I wasn't supposed to be in it. I was just going to be hanging out. Right. I didn't even have my hair and makeup done. And they're like, Sarah, will you please do it? I'm like, what? I don't know the lines. What's happening? (laughs) The mascot. The mascot. Yeah. yeah. How did you get mascot outfits on that short of notice? I don't know. I don't know. But I just was lucky to be abused by a mascot outfit person. Yes. And that 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 was was the weirdest scene. I mean, I, I didn't score it to the movie because, again, in the challenge, you don't get to see the film when you're writing the music. But that was the most interesting scene I've ever written music for because you are literally at, was it like a, a bus stop or a subway stop and you're getting raped by a mascot. <laughs> getting body checked. Yes. I was like, what is this? I go, what am I supposed to do? And they're like, just go in there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Cause I didn't know my, I didn't know lines, you know, I, I showed up like two hours late after uh, that they were supposed to be already filming. Oh. And they're like, Sarah, will you please be, will you please be the lead? And I go, what? Why? And then I found out that the actress didn't show up. And I go, great. Right. Yeah. Yes, I'll do it. Give me the stupid script. Let me read this. <laughs> yeah. What bad guy am I playing today? <laughs> I'm playing a mentally challenged um, person who wait who has, I had uh, issues with mascots yes. <laughs> running up on me. Yes. Like, and who the, writes like a this? Continual thing. And, you know, that's the thing is that you can, you can get away with a, a, a concept like that in a very short film. And, and these are usually, you know, three to five minute films. So you can run a concept like that. If it were, a, you know, even a 30 minute film, I don't think you could really do a 30 minute film about that kind of thing. No, definitely. This was for challenge. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, you were, uh, your character was dating Jay Brickham, right? Yes. And I kept looking to him. I go, this kid, this kid's 10 years younger than me. And you want to play opposite Jay? <laughs> what do you, and then Jay's like, it's okay, I like older women. I go, oh, God. <laughs> but you guys had really good chemistry, I thought. No, we did. Me and Jay were such good buddies, you know. Is it is it easier or more difficult, do you think, to play a role like that when you really know the person well? I think it's difficult. I, for me, it was because he's such a joker. And we were such good friends. And his... his um, role throughout life in acting was to mess me up like that was his true goal like in every play he would make faces at me from across the room and just like you know try to break me and so it was very difficult for me to take him seriously in a romantic way on screen right yeah so I was like oh this is gonna be horrible (laughs) (laughs) but it turned out fine It, it did but even if you're you know you guys are like brother and sister so mm-hmm. is it is it hard to, you know, kind of look at each other with loving eyes on film when you're like 
I'm just going to, you know, go beat the crap out of you after we're done with this shoot. Oh, big time. Yeah. How do you, what's, yeah, what's the mechanism for getting through something like that? Pretend like he's somebody else that I like. <laughs> 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 Poor Jay. Jay, if you're listening, I love you. It was a total challenge though. I was just like, Oh God, he's like my kid brother. Yeah. Yeah. Or even mm-hmm. with Joe, because you guys did a lot of films together where you were dating or married or breaking up or, you know. Yeah. Murdering him or right. whatever. I know. <laughs> yeah. Plotting his death. That was one. Yeah. Plotting his death. Yeah. Literally held a gun in my hand next to him, threatening to kill him in one of our movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And it was his gun because he had, uh, he had all those pop his guns. Gun. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the real irony is, you know, you're going to kill him with his own gun. I'm going to kill you with your own gun. But yeah, no, it was, uh, I think it was easier with Joe because I'd started out um, as his wife, the first show we ever did together. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, we just kind of followed that role over and over and over. Sure. Yeah. Now, of course, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our, our dear friend, uh, Tim Avent, who's no longer with us, but he did uh, a ton of challenges with us. He did some of the mm-hmm. murder mystery, uh, all of the murder mystery dinner theaters. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was in the he was in the um, company. Yeah, yeah. What a great guy! I mean, just just, I'm just one of those people. So bad. I I kind of compared him. I always used to call him our local Al Pacino. He really was. Yep. Because there wasn't anything he couldn't do and do with great expression, but mm-hmm. not over the yeah. top. Oh, he was wonderful. Yeah, just a natural born guy, and he was a, a an accountant during the day. And, Isn't that crazy? Uh, and he's an artist at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He actually did my taxes uh, the, the last couple of years before he just got too, too ill to do that anymore. Too sick. Yeah. But what a, what a great guy. I got to know him so well through, you know, between the dinner theater and then the tax stuff. And just, just a, a one of those people that you just want to hang around just to be around him. Yeah. You know, definite Thanks, father of God. the group, a, an inspiration for me. And I'm not even an actor. Yeah, he was just, he was amazing. Yeah. Definitely. I'm glad that he loved, that he got to do that acting and, and, you know, because it made him happy, you know? It did. It was definitely a fulfilling thing. And I think that's the thing, you know, is there's, that it, there's no real age in this business. There's certain roles you're not going to get. I mean, other than 90210, if you're in your 30s, you're not going to probably play a high school student. But <laughs> there's still so much that you can do, you know? Yeah. I mean, Right. No matter what generation you are, no matter what your age, your body type, there's work out there for you. You may not get mm-hmm. all the, you know, the lead roles, but there's work. Yeah, there is. So do you prefer the stage or the screen? I don't know. There's so many good things for both. I mean, if you want to start acting and you're not, you know, honestly, I did take an acting class. I took a few of them after I'd started mm-hmm. <laughs> And I don't think it did anything for me. Oh. I mean, I, I was just bored with it. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought, oh, this is awesome. I just didn't like it. And so I thought, let me audition for the theater group. I mean, that's like boot camp for acting. That'll, that'll they'll throw you in there. You're yeah. like, I don't care. And so I did. And I got hired right away as this lead character in this play. And that gave me. Um, you're in front of live audience. You screw up. You got to keep going. Yeah. 
in, in, if you're in front of a camera, they can cut and you can just redo it. So live theater, you have no second chance. They will, they'll see, they see the sweat on you. Mm -hmm. So that's a very good acting class. So if you want to do live theater, I suggest you throw yourself in there and that's the best acting class that you could possibly get. I would agree. And and tell me if I'm wrong, but a lot of even A-list actors will take time away from the screen and go and do a play mm-hmm. now and then. Oh, yeah. All of them do because that's – I mean, a lot of them still do um, um, acting classes too. Tom Hanks still does. Yeah. But he gets it. He, get, he, he does – he gets something out of it that I just never did. Could you imagine, though, being an acting school teacher – and you're you're starting your first day of your new class, and Tom Hanks is sitting there. How could you possibly think you could teach him? <laughs> I'd faint. I'd be like, "Hey!" <laughs> you know, I I have to give Tom Hanks a, a lot of props because I first knew him from Bosom Buddies because that was part of my generation. Me too. And I yeah. really I I looked at him the same way I looked at John Ritter, who I will give the same props to because they both went on beyond the Pratt Falls, beyond the the kid-like comedy, they really mm-hmm. both went on to be very, very good actors. And if, oh, if yeah. you'd asked me in 1985, if either one of them would ever be anybody, I would say, this is the best it's ever going to get for these guys. And I was right. very wrong. Oh, You know, I mean, you look at Tom Hanks, he's been in some of the biggest movies and, oh, yeah. you know, done incredibly well between Forrest Gump, The Da Vinci Code, you know, all that stuff that he's Cast done. Away. Cast away. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he really, that first hour of the movie is him. You know, just him. Mm, oh, yeah. Because the ball really wasn't acting. He was just there. <laughs> Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, he yeah. carried that movie. Wilson was just a a crutch. (laughs) (laughs) He's just riding on his coattails for fame. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, anybody that can do that and he's so versatile, I mean, to be able to play a character like Forrest Gump and then go into do a Dan Brown movie. And then, you know, that really takes some skill to be able to have that diversity. And I just can't imagine being an acting coach and having him come and say, I want to learn from you. I, I don't know what I would say to him. I'd be like, I got nothing to give you, man. I mean, yeah, I would just you're say doing, you're doing all right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I think your career is going well. I just, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I would stick to whatever you're doing. <laughs> you're doing You're doing the right stuff. Right. Exactly. It's working. I, I will say I would love it if you directed something one day. I would be a big fan of that. I would like to direct something, a bigger movie, though. Yeah. Not just a challenge, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you'd want to start off with something smaller, wouldn't you? Or would you just want to go for it? No, I'd just go for it. <laughs> that sounds mm-hmm. like you. Yeah, just grab it and take it and run with it. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd want to I'd want to do the casting. I'd want to I'd want to take the whole project on. Well, I think that though becomes part of the problem is that a director really can't do it by themselves. They really do need a team a of people team. that they can trust. Oh, I absolutely would get my team together. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, because there's just no way, unless you're planning on taking years to make this film, there's no way you can do it all. I know. Is there any kind of film that you would lean towards? I would do a romance, a romantic comedy. That's what I would do because they screw those up so often. (laughs) They really do. (laughs) They really do. 
I think I, I can't remember if it was on the show or somebody I was just talking to about the formula of Hallmark movies. And, you know, uh. when, when I write my Christmas albums, I usually do them in the summertime. So it's 119 degrees and I'm trying to find some way to feel Christmas, you know. And mm-hmm. so I'll like when I'm when I'm doing uh, all the legwork and whatever, I'll just play Christmas movies over and over and over. And there is a definite formula to how those are made, especially the Hallmark movies. But really, all of the romantic Christmas movies seem to follow the same pattern. Mm-hmm. I think it would be nice to just have something that's not that. Just something completely different off the wall. I just haven't seen it. No, yeah. And and they, they really do a poor job on wrapping up the ending. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what? I just wasted two hours of my time. Right. Yeah. I'll never, I'll never get that back. But it's it's guy and girl meets. Stupid. There, she doesn't want to be in a relationship and he immediately has to have her. And then she pretends she's not falling for him, but she is. And then they have some nice moment and then they start getting close. And then some misunderstanding happens where it turns out he did something that she's really upset about. And then she finds out at the end that no, it was for a loftier reason. And then they get back together and they're fine. Like that is literally the plot of every Hallmark Christmas movie. It absolutely is. There has to be something... There's a, there's a good script out there, and they're waiting for it to somebody to look at it. You I know? hope so. Because there is. It seems like all we're doing is remaking the same movies over and over, whether it's a direct remake or just telling the same story in a different way. It seems like there aren't yeah. new stories. You know, and there absolutely is. So somebody out there, will you please send Scott or Sarah your script? <laughs> yes. And we will score it and direct it. That's right. You can send it to scott at scotthaskin.com. I will forward it to Sarah and we will make your movie. <laughs> we, we will make your movie. Yes. And it, will, and it won't follow Save the Cat. It won't follow formulas. It's going to be no. wacky. It'll be edgy. This is happening. Somebody's going to send it's us totally. something. I'm excited already. I am too. Your email is going to blow up. It will. And, and it's not going to be a horror, but I'm going to be okay with it this time. There might be some horror in it at points. That could happen. But <laughs> that could happen. We might have a dream sequence, which is 90% of the movie that actually turns it into a horror film. Okay. I'm on board. Yes. You know, they're remaking uh, Child's Play. I heard about this. This is good. The, the special effects are going to be amazing. Yeah, I think Today's so. technology. It's come a long yesterday's way. Yesterday's movie. It has. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody else's remaking Friday the 13th again, because the oh, last God. remake wasn't enough, I guess. Okay. Stop it. Stop, people. For no more, no more Jason. Is it Jason? Jason. Or not yeah. Michael? Jason oh, is Jason. Uh, Friday okay. the 13th. Yeah. And well, they just did another Halloween, but at least this one went full circle. I mean, it had Jamie Lee Curtis and it had like, yeah. a, some element of finality to it. Um, but yeah, just stop it. Let's do new stuff. Let's find Didn't it. Didn't we kill? I, th- I thought we killed Michael Myers like eight in the 80s. Well, yeah, we did. But even though he's not superhuman, he's superhuman. Like, there's no explanation for why he can survive the things he can survive because he's not. okay. Freddy Krueger, you get because he's not a a physical guy anymore. Right. He's like a spirit. He's in your dreams. Right. Right. But Michael Myers is just a guy. He's still just a guy. And there's no explanation for how he can survive being shot over and over you know, being stabbed, being put on fire. Like, there's no explanation for it whatsoever. At this point, he should be a puddle. He's a puddle of goo at this <laughs> point. Leave him alone. Puddle. Yeah. Now, I guess this last one, though, in, in the lore of, of all the Halloween movies, 
none of them took place except for the first one. So this is actually the sequel to the original Halloween. Oh, God. So in this case, he's just a guy, but yet he's not at the same time. He's still sort of supernatural, even though he's not. So he's kind of just a thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a fun fact. Um, Jason Voorhees, um, he... He's walked into a casting agency, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was really badly burned, like as uh, in real life. And so he hands his headshot and paperwork over to the casting agents, and they were like, "Oh, you played J- Jason Voorhees in all the all these uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies." And he was like, "Yeah." And they go, "Okay." And the reason why uh, he got cast in that role was because he would be covered. He actually does have really badly burned body. Oh, really? Oh, I did. Did yeah. it happen in the film or was that previous to? No, no, no. It was just like a previous injury. Oh, wow. Got into okay. role. I did yeah. not know that. I heard that from my, the, the casting agent, actually. I will say in Jason's defense, he has never screwed up a single line of dialogue. In no, any of his lines are perfect. Yeah, because he doesn't have any. It's so easy. That's, this is true. <laughs> this is also another fun fact. <laughs> yeah. I have also never screwed up a line of dialogue on a film. Scott, you're the best. <laughs> I don't think I've ever you had are, one. You're the, you're, you're the greatest. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been in a couple films. I, I've had scenes where I'm in it, but I don't, I don't think I've ever had a line of on-camera dialogue. No, yeah. I've actually been in a film with you. Yes, you have. That was mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. That, that was fun. fun. Uh, I, don't I did like dance. the award ceremony scene on that POV. Yeah, it was a one. The whole thing was a one shot except for the mm-hmm. credit scene. And that was a that was another 48 hour film challenge that was really, really tricky because you had to do the whole thing in one take. Those are so hard. They are. They really are. But it, it came out really good. And then for the ending, uh, we were able to do a separate sequence for the credits. And so I wrote a dance number and then went on set and you put eyeliner on me, which took me, I think, four <laughs> years to get off. Four years to get off this eyeliner. Well, no one told, I had no idea what to do with it. I'm like, how do you get this off of your face? And I didn't have any like <laughs> cream or anything for that. So I'll leave it. It looks good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did bring my eyes out. I'll say that. Yeah. It popped. <laughs> it popped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a fun shoot. That was another long, long night because they, they told me that you got to hurry up and get here. And then I got there and they were still filming. And it was another, I think, four or five hours before we actually shot that that sequence that I had to hurry up and get uh, there for. Yeah. No, those are the longest days. Honestly, everybody thinks that acting is, oh, that's easy. Oh, my God. What well, did I before I started acting? <laughs> well, but people that are good at it make it look easy. Yeah, they do. You know, it just looks so natural. And and. It's not at all. It actually takes a lot of work and a lot of patience because most of the time you're sitting around waiting. You're sitting mm-hmm. in a makeup chair, getting your makeup or mm-hmm. hair done, um, mm-hmm. you're doing a wardrobe fitting. There's so much more to it than filming scenes. And right. I, I, I think it's just such a glamorous looking thing that the reality of what the job is is completely lost. I know. It's true. It, it is. But we've definitely worked on some fun projects together. And even though we're in different states now, I really hope we get to do something together again because you are just a blast to work with. Well, thank you. I would love to do more projects. Yeah, Yeah, we'll make it happen. Well, we're going to get that script sent to me anytime here. That's true. Yeah. Shout out your email again to uh, the audience. Scott at scotthaskin.com. 
And there you go. Nothing, Bring it in, people. Nothing's come in yet, but the episode hasn't aired yet. <laughs> That's true. So I, I kind of, I understand why my email isn't blowing up just yet. But I'm hopeful. I think that I'm ready for the script, people. Send it. What are we going to do if somebody actually sends us something? <laughs> I'm going to send it to all of our people. <laughs> there you go. We're going to raise the money and we'll, yep. we'll do it. We'll do like a car wash bake sale. Oh, that's good. But we should give them the baked goods after the car wash, because if we give it to them before, then it's just going to get drenched and you can't eat it. Or they're just going to throw up because we don't bake very well. That's true. I'm horrible at baking. Yeah, I, that's that's not... one skill. I, I don't have the patience for it. To me, if it looks done, yeah, the toothpick came out. It's still wet. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's just goo on the inside. I think it's done. <laughs> yeah. I can cook. I, I, I'm a pretty decent cook, but I, yeah, I can't bake. And I yeah, I'm not a baker. I can cook too, but baking, no, I'll ruin cookies. You're a very good cook, actually. I made Christmas cookies this year that that actually came out pretty well. All right, then you can do the baking. I think I was lucky, though. I don't know that I could repeat that performance. We might just have to buy Costco cookies already made, and we'll just change the frosting. Right, and no one will know, even though we just told everyone. Oh God, maybe cut that part out. <laughs> okay, I'll edit that. Add it. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Well, we didn't say that. That's right. Well, Sarah, it is just, it's always a joy to talk to you. And I thank you so you much too. for taking some time out of your crazy schedule to come and hang out. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's good to reminisce about these things, but it's cool to learn some of these little behind the scenes things too. And, you know, the the biggest advice I can give people, I guess, would be don't book yourself two different gigs at the same time. But also, <laughs> if you really want to challenge yourself, book two different gigs at the same time. Do it. As long as, as long as you can get to both of them without screwing anybody over, mm -hmm. you're good to go. That's great advice. I like it. <laughs> you got anything? I, that's it. Oh. Yeah. Boot camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to challenge yourself. Yeah. It's good for the soul. It is. And you're never going to get to the next level if you're just doing the same thing all the time. No, it's true. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. The worst thing that anybody can say to you is no. That's true. And if you can yeah. handle that, then you can handle anything else they say. That's true. And oh, oh, you know what we should end this note on? Hmm. Even Tom Hanks continues to take acting classes. Yeah, even Tom Hanks takes his acting classes still. That's, so there you, you know go. What? That's really cool. I like yeah, that he knows is. that he doesn't know absolutely everything, that there's still something yeah, to learn. There's always something to learn. Keep learning. Yeah. And yep, even, even the big stars know this. Yes. And so do us little stars. Us little stars. <laughs> well, thank you, Sarah. You take care and enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, what a sweetheart. So talented. I love that story about when she first got started in the business and just kind of took over that spot on set. Uh, if you want to do that kind of stuff, uh, and there's something to be said for being bold and doing things that are different, but you got to be careful where you do that stuff. It's a different time uh, now from when she did it. And certainly there are places that are not going to tolerate that kind of thing. 
but uh, but it's a great story. Uh, before I forget, please go to the Facebook Haskin Cast podcast page and hit that like button and you'll be entered into a drawing monthly for a flash drive with all five Mental Sauna albums on it. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, I'll send it anywhere. Uh, so uh, just by liking the page, you'll be entered into the drawing. Thanks for joining us for episode 40. I will be back next week with another guest. Take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks.